Please be seated. Again, good morning. As I said a minute ago, it's great to be with you on this Christmas Day. Uh, the wind is whipping out there. Um, <laughs> it's one of those rare moments in Northeast Florida where those of you who were here yesterday and several of you were know that it was around 74, 75 degrees when we kicked off. And by the time I got in my car last night, close to 11 o'clock, it was 47 degrees. So a pretty massive shift in temperature. And then you wake up this morning, we won't even talk about it because by Florida standards, this is freezing here. So I, I spent this whole time preaching a sermon yesterday about how the beautiful poem in the bleak midwinter doesn't fit Florida very well. Well, I had to get that sermon out of the way because this morning it fits quite perfectly and well. But the amazing thing about this morning is always what we shift to because last night, of course, is always the, the story that we hear um, about the birth of Jesus that comes to us from the first chapter, the second chapter, I'm sorry, of Luke's gospel that tells us how Jesus came into the world, how he was born. And so, of course, I always spend a little bit of time making those connections. And yesterday, that connection with, was with the bleakness of the world we live in, connected with the bleakness of what it been, must have been like for Mary to give birth to this little baby who would be the light of the world. But on this morning, every year we shift from how the birth occurred to what the birth was. And I thought, just holding on to this bit of, of the poem in the bleak midwinter, I would move on to verse 2 and just give you a little piece of where Christina Rossetti from the 19th century shifts to after she's told us about what the weather was like. Then she moves herself into telling us what is happening there and who it is happening to. Our God, heaven cannot hold him, nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. In the bleak midwinter, a stable place sufficed. The Lord God incarnate, Jesus Christ. I love that line. Our God, heaven cannot hold him. Nor earth sustain. Heaven and earth shall flee away when he comes to reign. Take that verse and match it with a tiny little child, probably didn't look anything like that, but maybe it did, in a little manger that probably didn't look as clean as that. The beauty of our nativity scene is it's getting older and people's heads are getting a little loose and things are breaking away and we're having to get them fixed. So it might actually begin, it begin to look like the real stable did, but imagine that that little bitty child is the God that heaven cannot hold nor the earth can sustain. And so that's why that component of the Christmas story has to be said on Christmas Day. We can begin with the second chapter of Luke's gospel so that we hear the story again. But what we have to come around to is just exactly why that message, why that story is the most important message ever told, the greatest story ever told, why it's so important. And that's why we arrive this morning at what is really the official story that is given to us by the church to be spoken at Christmas. And that is not the story of the birth at all, but the prologue to John's gospel. And of course, 
To me, the prologue of John's Gospel is right up there with the poetry of Christina Rossetti, the poetry of William Shakespeare, the beauty of the Western tradition of writing and language. And because of the way it speaks to us, what it says, what it puts together. John's Gospel, the prologue begins with, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. This is the, the image of, of what this child was in the manger all those years ago. This child was nothing less than God complete. Now you have to remember that beginning, in the beginning, was the word. Every Jew that would have heard that word would have immediately connected it with, in the beginning, God created the world. And we get a little bit of that in that first letter that we heard from uh, to the Hebrews because the connection the Hebrews make is instantaneous. In the beginning, the world was created. But here John begins to shift to a whole new story of creation, a whole new twist in what God has done. God created the heavens and the earth. God split it up and created humanity and created everything within it and set it out into the world, created that beautiful garden that we know about. And then humanity fell from grace by wanting to be what God was. And so sin comes into the world and the story of salvation begins with the story of God doing everything possible to reconnect his people back to that beautiful garden. So he begins by giving them the law, the Torah. He begins by choosing his people, not because he wants to differentiate them from everybody else, but because he wants to build them up so he can bring every one of the earth back together again. He goes through that and they keep fumbling along the way. So he sends the prophets, right? Before the prophets were the kings who were there. They begged for the kings and the kings were a disaster. So the prophets, aren't all kings disasters? They call them what you want to call them, people, but they're all a mess. Don't ever put all of your hope into kings of this world. Put it into God. So he sends the prophets to tell them that same story that I just told you. And the prophets tell it out and they continue to struggle. And God says, you know what? I am the one who must come down because these are my people. I created them. I created them to be good. I want to bring this creation back to where it began, in the beginning. And so what does God do? He brings a new creation into being on this particular day when the sun rose and there was a child there. And so John takes that in his gospel and he tells us that there is a new in the beginning. The new in the beginning is the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word was born into this world in the child of Jesus Christ. The whole prologue is a retelling of the creation story. It takes several chapters in Genesis to get through that. It only takes 14 verses in John's gospel to give us the, the peace of where the new creation begins. And you all know this story. I, I love to preach on this idea of Jesus becoming the new Adam. St. Paul will talk about this. He'll become the new first man. 
And of course, the good Catholic-leaning Christians will see Mary as the new Eve, whereas the first Mary made the wrong choice. Uh, the new Mary makes the right choice in saying, let it be unto me according to thy word. The obedience comes in to follow God. And so the whole story begins to shift and move. And the whole shift and movement begins right here in this moment on that first Christmas day. Now, of course, we'll tell you again when Easter arrives that this is the full uh, revelation of what Jesus is and who Jesus is. But for the people of God, we know from the moment of beginning. And the moment of beginning for this new creation is on this day. I love that idea of in the beginning was the word. That's such a wonderful image of what God is, what Jesus is. Word requires uh, a sound. Word requires breath. Me and Michael both understand the idea of music. And I always see that wonderful image of music being proof all you need of God. The rational person, you want to know that God exists? Listen to music and feel how your body moves. And imagine what that beginning was with a word, that breath that comes out, that sound that exists. That is that wonderful moment. We always look for science in this generation to prove everything, right? Go to beauty. Find what makes you shake, what makes the goosebumps come up on the back of your arm. Find what grabs you in the heart and makes you cry when you don't expect it. Find a poem like In the Bleak Midwinter, which I loved incredibly and has moved me emotionally, that last verse. What shall I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. What shall I give him? Give my heart. That's proof of God, the word that moves us and speaks to us. And so God realizes that that word needs to take flesh to get to us as human beings. And that's where Jesus comes in on this first Christmas day. This is why I write sermons because I just go on and on and on and on. I go back to my Baptist roots. We'll have 45 minute sermon right here. That'll shock all the Episcopalians and make you all run out the back door. So I'll just conclude by simply saying that you need the story from last night of in the bleak midwinter when Christ was born. But we have to always hold on to what Jesus was. I love when the kids say, it's Jesus' birthday. Baby Jesus was born. That's true. But when you grow older and you mature, you begin to understand that that little child lying in that manger is God incarnate. Heaven cannot hold him nor the earth sustain. That's what is there on that first Christmas, born to save us, born to get us back in the right direction, born to bring us back to the garden where we were created in the image of God to be the children of God and to live his life in this holy place. Whew, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Joy to the world. Ooh, I got an amen. That's all I needed.